Welcome to Calvary Chapel Sebastian Podcast. We hope that you're blessed by this message. All right, Sebastian, how you doing? Let's just have a fellowship night, you know, we'll just, you know, that's it. Um, it's just uh, awesome to be here, and uh, let me just go to prayer again, and uh, we'll go to the, before the Lord, and, and we'll get into his word. God, we just thank you so much, um, Lord, as we just come to you tonight. Um, God, I just pray that, um, that I just step out of your way, Lord. Um, God, I just want to be your mouthpiece. We want it to all be from you, God. Um, so I want to be emptied, Lord, and just filled with your spirit. So just fill me up, Lord. And God, your word brings us so much hope. Um, God, especially in a world that just doesn't know hope. Um, so we just thank you. So we invite you here tonight. Come upon us tonight, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. We all said? Amen. Amen. All right. So it's great to be here. If you get your Bibles, turn to Matthew 12. And we're just going to dip into 13 a little bit. Um, and I know we went to that last week with Pastor Ryan. And I saw this quote that Pastor Ryan had, and it said that the law was never meant for religious legalism. The law was given to uh, so that God would uh, come first in our lives. Um, so anybody keep the law this week? Let's be open here. Anybody keep the law, the entire biblical law? Anybody keep that this week? 100%. All right. Anybody keep like our uh, government laws this week? Because I got to confess to you, I, 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 is it okay to be open with you tonight? Okay, it's okay. Well, I happen to, I got a ticket this week. I know, so this is not being recorded, is it? It is. Oh, okay, all right. Sorry, Pastor Mark, there we go. Um, so I did, I got a ticket. And the thing about it was is um, he pulls me over and he walks up and he says, um, is this your vehicle, sir? And I go... Yeah, this 2006 PT Cruiser with a broken taillight is my, is my car, okay? He didn't give me a ticket for that. He goes, do you, do you realize you haven't renewed your, your registration? And I'm like, what? And, I, you know, of course, I blamed it on my wife. No, no. Um, but I'm like, oh, my goodness, really? So he drivers, you know, registration, and he comes back, and he says, you know, you had a warning on this, and I had a warning on it, and I totally forgot about, I guess, apparently, I thought I had it done, and I didn't do it. And then he says, you know, Pastor Mike, I do go to Calvary Chapel. <laughs> and here's the part about it was, he goes, I have to write you a citation. <laughs> because really, if, because of this status, I could have probably hauled you in, he said. So he goes, I'm giving you grace. I have to write you this ticket. And, and I said, listen, you're doing your job. We love you guys. And um, make sure you come to Tuesday night when I tell you need to repent. No, just joking. Um, so that, I'm just confessing tonight. Is it okay? It's okay to confess. So anyway, um, anybody remember the movie? I, I tell you what, tonight, uh, the teaching tonight, with all the worship that was going on and the things that actually what you were, Pastor David, was sharing on, and I don't know if, if the worship was reading my notes um, or not, but I believe this is from the Lord tonight. I really do. Um, and I think it's going to touch uh, some of you. I know it touched me big time when I was going through it. Um, anytime you prepare a teaching, God really speaks to you. Um, really spoke to me. So, but does anybody uh, remember the movie, uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly? You remember that? Remember that? Uh, uh, hang on now, wait. Sing it. That's funny. I can usually... I know. It's like... Right? Anyway, you remember that, okay? Sebastian, you are dating yourself, okay? That movie came out December 29th, 1967. I was one and a half years old, okay? One and a half. My brother and I, we loved the reruns of that movie. We would just watch it. Anytime there was like a 24-hour thing of Clint Eastwood with that, man, we were just, just so focused on it. We loved it. We got our, you know, our guns out and things in our cowboy hats and stuff like that. And then our, my mom caught me with like a cigarette in my mouth. I got in a lot of trouble, you know. <laughs> but seriously, you know, the title tonight is The Good One, The Bad and Ugly Ones, and The Evil One. All right? So the good one is Jesus because he brings hope. 
Uh, the bad and the ugly ones are the Pharisees because they distort hope. And the evil one is Satan who tries to steal our hope. And so we're going to see that all through these scriptures and all through these verses, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the evil one. But in case, here we go, sing it. There you go, keep singing it. But in case you're not sure what a Pharisee looks like, we got a picture for you of some Pharisees. All right, these are some Pharisees. <laughs> now, this was Pastor David and myself um, a few years ago with Pastor Craig, and we went down to Mazalan, Mexico, and we did a skit. You remember that skit we did with the kids? Um, the, skit, the kids were freaked out, by the way, all right? Um, but... I just thought that was so hilarious. We took that picture. It was like, it just brought up memories thinking about Pharisees and ourselves. And uh, me and we brought down the law of that teaching too, man. Those kids were like, what? Um, but in case you, yeah, whoa, whoa, in case you're wondering what's what Pharisees look like right there. Um, so anyway, we're in verse 13. It's, it's okay to laugh, isn't it? I mean, didn't God give us humor? I mean, the joy of the Lord is our strength, all right? So anyway, verse 13, and it says, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. And of course, the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. So I just thought about that stretching out the hand and that healing that took place. And I want to give you an update, because I know some of you have been, you've prayed for us. Um, some of you know, some of you not know, our, our son had kidney failure years ago, um, and and. And it was just a difficult time in our life. Um, at 23 years old, you don't expect your son to have kidney failure. Um, and, and Bridget, they think it came from my, my side of the family, so uh, they didn't want me to donate. Um, but my wife, Bridget, was a, per, a match, and so she donated. And, and, you know, two years gone by, two years, and he's, everybody's doing great. The doctors say, if you've gone over a year, you're doing fantastic. Yeah, praise God, exactly. So I just wanted to give you an update because some of you knew about that. I appreciate you praying. And um, God has really just been so faithful for, uh, with us and he's doing really fantastic. And um, he's so, he, he just looks normal, you know what I'm saying? And, and he's just loving life. He's got a girlfriend, you know, we love her name. Her name's Faith and um, it's just awesome. So anyway, I just shared this story I'm gonna share with you at r and I'm gonna share it to you tonight because some of you heard it, some of you obviously didn't because you weren't at the retreat. But anybody that knows Shannon McNally, who used to come here, used to attend here, Shannon McNally, tall firefighter, and he moved to Satellite Beach, so he ended up going to the Vieira campus, and some of you know him. Well, Shannon retired from the fire department, and he, they've been praying and praying for direction, and, and they decided that God... Well, God decided and led them to become missionaries. And so they joined YWAM, Youth with a Mission, in New Zealand. They sold everything they have, everything, every piece of furniture, everything I know, because my wife and I bought a really nice sectional for $300 from them, absolutely beautiful. And I tell people we take advantage of missionaries. But he sent me an email uh, recently, and some of you that know him and on his list, you've probably read this, but I want to read it to you because it's really encouraging. It kind of reminds me of this, the last two verses that we were, uh, verse 13. So he says, Bula, that's green in, in Fiji, because they're in New Zealand, but they went down to Fiji to do a short-term mission trip for a few months. Um, he says, we're in Fiji and experienced a miracle healing the other day. Anybody like to hear about healings? He says, our team met an 82-year-old lady who broke her arm about three days before we met her. And get this, she was unable, she was in a cast and she couldn't even move her fingers. All right, so we got a picture of her. So here's this lady up there and they meet her and three days prior, her left, she broke her left arm. You can see the cast that she's in. Well, the team led by the Holy Spirit, we know we're led by the Spirit, it's always the right thing. We just step out in obedience, step out in faith and they started to pray for her and it, she described, listen to this, a feeling like needles were repairing her arm as they prayed. I mean, think about that. They're praying over her, and she feels like needles repairing her bones in her arm. And so she's feeling this, and she says, I've never experienced anything like this. And at that point, she started to kind of move her fingers, and the pain went away. The next morning, God told her she was healed, and she cut away the cast four days later 
Two days later, they saw her in the village and came. she came to show that God has done her arm and completely healed her arm. And he's saying, amazing God we serve. This is a picture of her. Here she is raising her arm. Guys, God healed that arm. I mean, listening to what God said, the Holy Spirit said, step out in faith and pray for a healing. I mean, sometimes we maybe get scared of that kind of stuff a little bit. You know, it, it's, it's difficult, okay? But they felt to pray over, and all of a sudden, <laughs> her arm was healed. So he goes on and says, we just completed two weeks of our YWAM DTS outreach here in Fiji, and we've been sharing God's love and message to many Hindus, Muslims, native Fijian families. It's been amazing to see what these people react to, how they react to the truth about Jesus and how it changes their lives. We've seen healings. People respond, accept Jesus Christ. It's just been an amazing, amazing time going to the villages and just talking door to door with people. And they're welcoming our homes, hearing, listening, and just sharing the joy. They are so friendly and loving, and they share whatever they have with us. Blessings, uh, Shannon times two. His wife's, his wife's name is Shannon also, and Evan too. And uh, these healings were done on the Sabbath too. No, just joking. Um, so anyway... It's amazing how we step out of faith in what God does, and he brings hope. And man, I, I just, wouldn't you like to be like a fly on the wall just to be there? It's just amazing. So let's go to verse 15. So he says, Jesus, or excuse me, uh, it says this, it says, aware of this, as, as Matthew's writing this, Jesus withdrew from the place, a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. So aware of this is that, well, we talked about it, that Jesus went out and plotted, or they went out, the Pharisees, to plot out to kill Jesus, and so he leaves this, this location as people are following him. Great multitudes are all over him, just swarming over him. They're healing about the, hearing about the healings and everything that's going on. And people are getting healed left and right. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, just visionists. You're, you're there, and everybody who he's praying and touching are just getting healed all over the place. They said there were so many people there. It was incredible. They couldn't figure. There were so many people from so many cities coming. It was just massive people getting healed. And then he says in verse 16, listen to what he says. He says, he warned them not to tell others about him. That's difficult, isn't it? Don't tell others. So why does he say that? Why does he say, don't tell others about him? Well, what really, at, at this point, it was not time for Jesus' death. It wasn't time for his burial, his resurrection, bring salvation to the Jews. You know, some would deny him, but some would accept, and also to the Gentiles. It just wasn't his time. And this was in verse 17 to fulfill what Jesus, excuse me, what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. So as we're going to read a little bit between verses 18 through 20, what happens here is this is quoting Isaiah 42, 1 through 4 to prove that Jesus was this Messiah and the nation of Israel would reject him, some would accept him, but bring salvation to the Gentiles. Anybody glad for that? Amen. You know what I'm saying? And I love reading through the prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. And if you read through the prophecies of the Old Testament, they all lead up to Jesus and what he's going to do. And it really brings hope to everyone, hope to this world. All of the Old Testament prophecies lead to God as being hope. He's going to come in the form of a man and what he's going to do as the Messiah. So look what Messiah, or excuse me, look what Isaiah wrote. He says, here is my servant whom I've chosen, the one I love and whom I delight, I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. And in NIV, which we're reading, it says, in his name, the nations will put their hope. In Jesus' name, the people will put their hope. See, it doesn't say that people are going to put their hope in a nation. It's putting their hope, nations putting their hope in Jesus. What happens if we put hope in a nation? Think about that. What happens? I mean, I love my country. I'm thankful to be born here. Think about this. If you lived in Roman days... If we went back to the Roman days and we put our hope in the Roman government, what happened to the Roman government? They fell apart. Matter of fact, you would have probably thought being born in that era that that government would never cease because they were so powerful. They were mighty. 
And people put their hope in governments. Hey, listen, it ain't going to last, all right? It doesn't last, all right? God's nation, though, will never be toppled and it'll never go away. God's nation will never be toppled. It'll never go away. Look what Peter wrote on the screen. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a what? A living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. See, we have an everlasting hope because we have an everlasting Christ. And look at that last verse, that last line after the comma, reserved in heaven. Put your name in there. See, reserved for you, Mike. Reserved for you, Keith. Reserved for you, Danny. Reserved for you, Dana. See, reserved for you. I mean, how does that make you feel knowing that? I mean, to me, it gives me like goosebumps knowing that I have a reservation that's reserved for me, a spot with eternity for God forever, and not put my hope in, in what's going on here. I mean, I'm thankful to be born here, but my hope is in Jesus Christ. And my hope is in God's kingdom of what he's going he's gonna to rule and reign. And so it's an everlasting kingdom. It'll never fail. It'll rule and reign. And church, here's the thing is that we're children of God and we're part of his household. You may have a beautiful house, but it ain't nothing like it's going to be like up in heaven. It's going to be amazing up there. And it's going to be like mansions. It's going to be incredible. But here's the thing is when we read the newspaper, do we see hope? I mean, I was reading through some of the top news articles, okay? Here's some of the top news articles that I read today. And excuse me, I'm going through a little head cold. It must be this cold weather we're getting. Here, but substitute teacher fired and arrested after allegedly beating up a student in Texas. A teacher. Okay. Caught on video, suspect beats, beat up, they beat up three senior citizens during a robbery in Chinatown. What kind of hope is that? FBI, uh, FBI confirmed Samuel Little's confession. He's the worst serial killer in U.S. history. San Francisco is losing residents because it's too expensive for everybody to live. San Francisco, imagine living there. Listen to this article. The nation approves a plan to push Hollywood into the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Anybody ever read Babylon B? It's like a satire. I don't know, I saw it. It's like a Christian satire. Anyways, I saw this. The nation approves to push Hollywood into the Pacific Ocean. I don't know. They, they say California one day is probably going to go. But anyway, but there's just no hope. And the question is, why, why is there no hope? Why is there no hope? And this verse really, really screams it out, the verse that I have on the screen. This is out of Job. It says, those who forget God have no hope. I mean, do we see that in a lot of places today? The articles that we read, the people who forget God, those who forget God, they have no hope, simply in case that's what it is. And you think about in our society, like in schools, I mean, when I was in school, we used to pray. Nowadays, they don't allow prayer. I mean, praise God for like, Believers that are in the schools. My wife's a teacher. She's in the public schools. Praise God for FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, different things that are there. But it's a totally different story than it used to be. And kids, I'll tell you, the anxiety rate these days for kids are just going out through the roof. Those who forget God, for God, have no hope. It all leads back to that same thing right there. Those who forget God have no hope. I read this article it says, how to create positive, positively, positivity in your life. And in this article, it talked about how if you really think really positive things, you're going to lead a hopeful life. Just think positively, okay? Now, I'm all about being positive. Anybody ever been around some negative people? And I don't want to be around some negative people, okay? It's better to be positive than negative. But in this article, it was really teaching about thinking positive, Okay, and, and how that, it's good to think positive, but how that's going to bring you hope. I can tell you what, you can think as much as you want about hopeful things, but it's not going to bring us eternal hope. 
All right, it's not going to bring us internal hope. It's only going to be God. It's, actually, it's just really, most people have wishful thinking is what it is. I mean, there's, there's two different types of hope. There's like the hope, like I, I hope, like I hope, well, not me, obviously, but I hope I'm going to get pregnant, a woman says. Okay, but there's not a certainty to that. I hope to happen, you know, but there's a certain hope, and that certain hope is who? Jesus Christ. He is certain hope. So I have it on the screen here, and... This is so true. It says that no God, is. there's no hope. But when you know God, you what? You know hope. There's a direct correlation. When there's no God in your life, you have no hope. When you personally know God, you have hope. So I've got this slide coming up on the next, on the next screen here. I call this, anybody remember there was a movie It said the, uh, the, the Circle of Trust? That was some movie, Circle of Trust. I think it was called the Meet the Falkers or something, Be in a Circle of Trust or whatever. Anybody watch? You guys are sinners. You watch that movie? Okay. Uh, I watched it before I was a believer. Anyway, so, so I call this the Circle of Hope. This is called the Circle of Hope. And in the Circle of Hope, we have God right smack in the center. Everything outside of the circle is hopelessness. Now, unbelievers, okay, they live on the outside of that circle, and there's hopelessness. But what do they do is they turn to things that they think are going to bring them hope, but they don't. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. They try to fill that to give them hope. Okay, maybe a, a spouse. Maybe a spouse is going to bring me hope. Maybe having a child is going to bring me hope. I mean, you know, those couple things are good, obviously, but it's not hope. It's not certain hope. And so unbelievers live outside of there. So inside... You have um, believers, but what do they do? They, they're in the circle of hope, but they view everything outside of the circle, how the world lives. See, I want to have one foot in, but one foot out, and I'm focusing on the things of the world to try to bring me hope. There's, listen, I'm talking about lifestyles. Even as Christians, sometimes we fall into that trap as well. I'm talking about total lifestyles, but there's sometimes that Christians that live in that, but they're seeking things outside of God and are getting confused of why this is happening in my life and I don't understand this. It's like, I've got no hope, but the truth of the matter is you do have hope. You've got God. God is Jesus Christ. He's hope. And sometimes believers live like that, okay? And then we have believers who look at God and they said, okay, there is hope in Christ, absolutely, and, and this is where I go. But sometimes what do we do? We move away from God, and we start to go away even further and further away. And God says, no, child, come back here. Come back to me. Does this make sense? Make sense to you? So that's the circle of hope right there, all right? We're going to tattoo to you on the way when you walk out tonight. No, just joking. Um, but here's the thing. If you're going through something right now, the best thing you can do is to get really close to God. Get super close to God. If you're going through something in your life, get close to God. Romans 15, 13, it's on the screen. It says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When going through something rough, get close to God and know he will provide you hope because he's the only source of hope. Matter of fact, I mean, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of comfort even. And God will provide hope through the power of his spirit. A lot of you know this verse, Psalms 4610. It says, be still and know that I'm God. So what does that mean for us? That means we need to, number one, be still. So we got to be still. We got to get close. Okay, we know that God is there. He's close. But we have to, mindset, get close to God. Then we need to be quiet. When Pastor David was talking about being quiet, I was like, man, that's like writing my notes, okay? Being quiet before God. I mean, did you, I don't know about you, but I started to like tear up when you're quiet before God. So be still, get close, be quiet. And there's a, here's the thing is, when you do those things, something happens you get hope. 
So I'm going to do this a little bit of an analogy, okay? So we're going to do this. I'm going to ask Pastor David to come up. He's the tallest guy I know that's in, up here. So you come up. How tall are you? 6'1". You're 6'1". And shrinking. And shrinking. <laughs> I would have called your boys because they're taller than you, but they're not here, okay? All right? All right, so you're going to be God. I know, I know, Chris, he, he tries to do that at home. He tries to do it at home, all right? He tried to break it of it, okay? Um, if Bridget gets mad at me, she says, okay, pastor. No, um, so the, here's the thing. It's just a good illustration, all right? Because so you're going to be God. And I could, I could do it with David because, listen, I've, David and I have served together. Um, he, was, he, he was an overseer for me. I could tell you guys, you have a blessed, this guy, this man is a blessing, by the way, okay? He is a blessing. Um, and so here's the thing, he's God. So if, 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 if he's God, and I've got some things going on in my life, I don't turn around, I don't walk away from God, all right? I don't turn around and walk away from God. And I don't, certainly don't look at the things outside of the world to try to fill that gap. What I do, though, is I start coming to God, all right? I start coming to him, all right? And what's God going to do? What's God going to do? It's okay, it's all right. But that's what he does. And I always picture it like this. I picture it like this. Who's, who's, who's a parent in here? Okay. I remember holding my, my kids as babies in my arms and on my lap. And it was such comfort. They were sitting there just nice. Some nights they, were, they weren't sleeping and Bridge is like, go, you go, you go rock with them. But it was such a peaceful thing, okay, as they were as rocking them. See, when you're going through something, we need to think about that. Our Heavenly Father wants just to be there and hold you. It's okay. You can go sit down, thanks. Thank Appreciate it. Okay, you go. <laughs> but seriously, it's, it's such a great thing to be still, get close, be quiet, and then we get hope. It always works that way, and God is so amazing. He'll speak, be still, and know that I'm God, he says. And so as we keep focused on, on Christ, because he is our main focus, and the byproduct is going to be hope. And you know, as a Christ follower, uh, you have hope, because especially you know, understanding and knowing that you're going to spend eternity in, in heaven. Um, it's so great to keep that eternal pers perspective and knowing that we're going to be there. No matter how bad it gets here, no matter how bad our life seems, no matter the situation, I mean, we're going to be with God forever and ever and ever. No pain, no suffering, no sin. Anybody glad about that? No sin. But we have this, this solid, strong anchor that Hebrews 6, 19 says, is as we have this hope and anchor for our soul, firm and comfort. I mean, firm and secure. This, this anchor, it's this big, think about this, a huge anchor that our soul is anchored to in Jesus Christ. I mean, it keeps us secure, keeps us sound, keeps us straight, and when we look outside these walls, as Pastor Day was saying about, about talking about a parade and all the things in the community, do people in Sebastian need hope? I mean, it's incredible doing outreach, reaching people. This is what we're called. I know Pastor Mark has a heart for it, and we have a heart for this, but this is what Jesus Christ has commanded us to do, to go out and to make disciples, all right? Because it's a lost world that just has no hope. Listen, do you all have hope? Raise your hand if you have hope. Okay, then. So this is what we need to be. We need to be a hope dealer. <laughs> need to be a hope dealer. That's right, dealing hope. Imagine being at a party, and you're with some friends, and, and there's some people around you don't know, and you're talking. So what do you do? Oh, I'm a, I'm a doctor. Oh, what do you do? I'm a lawyer. What do you do? I'm a hope dealer. <laughs> And the guy next to you says, I'm a police officer. What did you say? You know? <laughs> but seriously, we need to be a hope dealer. Maybe we have like, you know, uh, neighborhood, we're like uh, neighborhood hope parties. Let's have a hope party. Okay, invite people. Let's be a neighborhood hope dealer. You know, deal out hope to people. And just tell people about Christ. I mean, I just think about how often that, how when somebody's hopeless in a situation, God shows up and how, and it's amazing how at the, at the men's retreat, I was talking to certain guys who were saying, I met a guy who had no hope, okay? I went through something that he went through and God gave me hope and we connected. 
Talk to a guy that, who says, I have the situation, no hope. I met a guy that has hope and went through my situation and God put us together. See, God wants to do that. Amen? Amen. And we need to be hope dealers. And I got a boogie here because you went a little long on your announcements. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, we do, we do some ministry at Palm Bay High, okay? And we, and we want to be, we're hope dealers at Palm Bay High is what we do. And I know Pastor David Amel High and, and Sebastian and things like that. But we've been doing it now for several years. And Bridget and I are in North Carolina, or excuse me, North Georgia Mountains uh, with, with the Birminghams. And we're staying in a cabin. We're doing sightseeing. And we decided to go visit some, some, uh, some falls. The falls up there are beautiful, North Georgia. And we're going up a tr- on a trail. And I see a guy up there. He's got this big old guy with his family. And I see Palm Bay High in North Georgia. And I go, you, you, you went to Palm Bay High? He goes, yeah, so my shirt says, you know. <laughs> but then he kind of looks at me, and I start talking with him. I said, you remember, like, Danny Q? Everybody know Danny Q Barbecue? He goes, oh, yeah. And he starts, goes, oh, yeah. Hey, guys, I remember you. And we start to talk. And as we're talking, Bridget recognizes the mom, or something about the mom. The mom recognizes one of our friends went to Ukraine with us, and she works with that. And so all this thing here on a trail in North Georgia. Now, this has got to be a God thing, all right? And he goes, you were one of those guys who used to pray. And I was like, yeah. And he said, and he's doing really well. He's in school at Florida Atlantic University, doing really well. And he goes, I need a prayer. And so we started talking, and here I am in North Georgia on a trail, praying with him and praying, you know, with his dad, you know, and I'm like, whoever wants prayer, let's do that right now, man. We're the North, we're, we're higher up to God, okay? We're the North Georgia Mountain. Let's pray. But I just started to think about how being a hope dealer, and God gave us a glimpse of what God does when we actually step out. Sometimes I miss it, obviously. Sometimes we do, okay? But just amazing what he does. All right. So verse 22. Then they brought, uh, this is now the Pharisees are going to rebuke. These are hope distorters. And then they brought him. Jesus, a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And what did Jesus do? He healed him so that he could both talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? The son of David refers to the Messiah. That's what that refers to. When you read through the Old Testament, what it means, it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Um, it's out of uh, 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16. Uh, the promised Messiah that's coming it's from the lineage of David. You guys went through Matthew uh, Church, went through Matthew 1. You talked about the lineage of David, and you can go back and reread it. But it gives that whole order of, of, of from David until uh, Jesus, going through Joseph, who was his legal father. Uh, Mary is through the lineage of, uh, through, if you read through Luke 3, um, it's amazing how when you read those Old Testament and how just that, that lineage goes right to Jesus. But look at verse 24. It says, but when the Pharisees, they, now these are teachers, heard of this, they said, it is only by who? It's a test. What does it say? I couldn't say, I'm just asking you guys. No, that's good, no. The prince of demons, like the fellow, uh, like this fellow drives out demons. It's Belzebul. So here, these these the people recognize, could this be son of David? And here the teachers, the religious leaders, they're like, they, they don't see it. You know, they know the law. They know the backwards and forwards. They know the prophecies. They know all these things. But guess who they're blinded by? They're blinded by Satan, okay? Spiritual darkness. And what happens is when, when, when people are blinded, they start to teach deceptive things about Jesus. They're blind to God's truth. And even at this point, there's even some, and I'm not, talking about, but there are some so-called churches that don't teach the truth of God's word. And I'm thankful that we have a church that teaches God's word. And here's the thing is, you and all of us should always be making sure and checking in that we're teaching God's word, all right? Because we're all held accountable to that. 1 Timothy 4.12, 4, 1 through 2 says, now the spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will desert the faith and occupy themselves with deceiving spirits and demonic teachings influenced by hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. Do we see that today? Man, it's incredible. We see that. But what about this verse? It's on the screen. We all know this verse. 
2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4 says, For that a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itchy ears want to hear, and they will turn their eyes away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Here's the thing is that what goes in our minds, okay, goes into our hearts, and eventually it comes out of our hearts back to our minds, and it manifests out how we're going to walk. Okay, what we think about, so a man thinketh what? He acts, right? All right, so it makes sense? So we got to be careful what we put in our minds. Proverbs 4, 2, uh, Proverbs 4, 20 says this, my child, okay, this is God speaking, Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they'll bring life to those who find it and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of the rest of your life. See, God's word determines the course of our life. When we follow him and we follow his word, okay, it's a light to what? Our path, okay? So we have it on the screen. What we listen to will be what we adhere to. What we listen to is what we'll adhere to. Many teachers out there are teaching false beliefs. And what happens? People go to that direction. I read this in the paper the other day. Lesbian priest tapped to head major abortion group calls abortionists modern-day saints. Now, this is a, a priest, okay, in this whatever denomination, whatever it is, says that she's going to lead this group and her modern-day saints. And here's the thing is, people will, f- will go to that because what their itchy ears want to hear. Oh, you see... This is a person of the cloth, as they call it, okay, teaching this. So it's got to be okay. Let's attend there and listen to those teachings. See, deceptive. And there's plenty of that out there, by the way, plenty of it. I thought about this, what Isaiah said. Those who call evil will call it good. And those who call good we'll call it evil. I mean, we're like right in those times right now, no doubt. There's no doubt about it. Here's another one on the screen I have for you. False teachings produce false hopes. False teachings produce false hopes. So think about this, the prosperity gospel. Man, that's like false teaching to the max. Like you, you attend, you follow God, and you're going to be like this millionaire, you're going to be blessed. I mean, here's the thing is, when you follow God's direction, you are blessed, and you, you, you line up the way you do his money, like we did FPU, Financial Peace University. There is a blessing for it, but prosperity gospel is more like, that's like over the board, okay? I remember going on a mission trip once, and I, and I visited, I saw this guy who was in this little bitty, like, thing with, with steel, uh, corrugated steel, dirt floor, the roof was going like this, who loved the Lord, and he was like, I'm thankful for what God gives me. Now, if that man was, you know, going to prosperity gospel type churches, he'd be like, man, God can't stand me. Matter of fact, if the prosperity gospel was true, then God really hate, hated Paul, really hated Peter, and he must have really hated John. Think about that. Because those guys definitely didn't prosper, Okay. I mean, they prospered in the Lord, but not like financially. Here's the other one we have to be careful of. It's the you gospel. That is so big right now, the you gospel. It's you-based teaching. And people are teaching that today. It's about all about you. Listen to us sometime. You, 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 you. Here's the thing I can assure you is that this, this word right here, Maybe for you and I, but it certainly ain't about you and I. Amen. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But there's many teachers right now doing this you-based teaching, and it brings false beliefs because it's like, I'm doing everything that you told me to do. How come I'm, this is all happening in my life? 
It's all about me, okay? Because then again, it's centered back on the person, okay? And not on God's word and the truth. Be careful to what you listen to, folks, right? Be careful to what you listen to. And be careful what you're listening to because what you adhere to. I mean, think about this. If, man, 7.45 already? (laughs) Dang. Wow, all right. Man, I had like, this is like incredible here. All right, so anyway, let's run through this. We're going to finish it up here. Verse 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city and household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, it's, he is divided against himself. How then, uh, how then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons, by who? Satan, okay? By whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be judged, they will be their judges. But if it is uh, by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then kingdom, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder the house? So basically, Jesus is rebuking them. He's saying, you guys are like crazy. You're sharing these false things. He knows their thoughts. And you know, what are they thinking? They're thinking to try to trick Jesus and they're trying to cause division is what they're trying to do. So every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city of household will be divided against itself. So here's the thing is that hope departs when division starts. Hope departs when division starts. We need to be careful in mind about that. We need to be recognizing with divisions about, we talked earlier about, so we were talking about the, uh, uh, when Jesus is going to come, the, 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 the tribulation. Listen, people can get in fights about the tribulation. Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, I don't, I don't really care what it's going to be. It's just don't get down the road because God's going to, or uh, the enemy's going to use it to cause division. Amen? It's got to be careful with that. So, man, where do I go from here? I'm like, you guys okay with this? All right. So here's the thing is, is that we know that Division happens. We got to be careful about it. And the enemy tries to cause division. He's after our marriages. He's after our church. He's after brothers and sisters in Christ is what he does. And many times we have to do is we have to step back from that situation. And really before it causes a division, we need to think about what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Um, How is my body going to react? How am I going to look at the person? Okay, the enemy knows my flesh and how I'm going to react. So I have to be careful about it. And most importantly, the number one, I need to pray. Number two, we need to pray together. And number three, we need to seek God together and making sure that we do not cause something that goes into division. We keep in unity because we know the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Such things there is no law. So when we live by the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit. We cannot go wrong if we walk by the Spirit because the Spirit is a spirit of unity. And Satan is just the opposite. But we have to be mindful of that, all right? In John 17, he prays about unity. It's on the screen. In three prayers, he prays about himself, current disciples, and here he's praying for the future disciples. But look what he writes here. He says that, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me. See, when there's unity in Christ, people recognize it and they're drawn to the hope of Jesus Christ. They're recognized when there's unity in a church body. So when we have this unity together, the closest that people can see to Jesus Christ is that unity. And the verse says it right there. It says that when you have complete unity, which is mature unity, then the world will know that you sent me. So we have to strive for unity. We have to make sure that we're seeking unity, seeking God to help us with unity because it ripple effects out from the church And we don't have unity, people see Satan. They don't see God. But when we're in unity, especially in a marriage, we're in a marriage, man, we're just focused on God together and have that mature unity. People are going to see Christ through our marriages. Amen? All right. All right. So Jesus goes on in verse 30, and he says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. So this is really about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, 
Okay? He even says, if you have blasphemy against, against the son, you can be forgiven. And I'm going to be real, I'll be quite honest as I'm wrapping it up here tonight. When Bridget and I first got married, we, we were yoked. We weren't followers of Jesus Christ. Now, we knew there was a God, but we weren't followers. She got saved years, years and years, uh, a few years after we got married. I was not. And I used to intentionally, to get her upset, I would say the GD word or the JC word. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be real. Is it okay to be real? And I used to get her upset. And she used to tell me, don't you say that. Don't you say that. And man, God could have like zapped me. You know what I'm saying? You know, blasphemy, you know, against God. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a terrible thing. But you see it today, people that aren't believers, they will say the GD word. They will say the JC word. You know why they say it? Because there's power in God's name. There's power in Jesus' name. You don't hear Allah damn. You don't hear Buddha damn. You don't hear, you know, Confucius, whatever. There's no power in those names. There's power in the name of in God. And they use that power because they recognize that there's power in God's name. And they use it forcefully because it's powerful. It is powerful. But you got to be careful. You need to be careful. And we have so many people around us, and it speaks about whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, blasting the Holy Spirit is not forgiven. And that is about people who do not accept Jesus Christ. They keep denying, they keep denying, they keep denying. And at some point, at some point, God, I guess, just says, I'm going to give you what you want. You know, if you've got a, if, if, if you're a, uh, you ever, when you were younger, you, you liked a girl or a, let's say the guys, you liked the girl, you liked her, but she didn't like you. And you kept on like trying to pursue her, pursue her. And eventually you just gave up on it because why? You know, you weren't going to get anything. You know, it's like nothing's going to happen, all right? And you just kind of just, all right, forget it. It's over with, okay, whatever. And you just go on your way. I think sometimes God may be like that. He says, I'll just give it, just give it up. You want to go on your own. But we have many people in, in this area that need to know Jesus Christ. Does anybody here have a family member that doesn't know Christ? Raise your hand. I mean, look around. We need to be on our knees pleading and seeking God. Whatever God can do, God, you know what to do. But save their souls. He's already done the work but God, may they recognize that and crying out to God. We have family members that aren't saved. And Bridget and I, we pray every single day for them. We pray for their souls, salvation of their souls. And sometimes, it, you know, they're not going to listen to you because you may have talked to them. But what you can do is you can love them unconditionally and you can pray for them because no one can outrun God in your prayers. Amen? All right. Well, let's pray for those family members and we're going to end it up. God, we just thank you so much. Lord, man, time just flies by, God. Um, but Lord, each of us have a family member, um, God, that hasn't accepted you. Um, Lord, we pray over them. Lord, we pray for their salvation of their souls, God, their spirit. God, you already have done the work. But God, we just pray that in their day, going about. God, we just pray that you send one of your children so full of your spirit that, God, they give them a word of knowledge from you. They start to question, how does that person know that? We know that's biblical because you give people a word of knowledge through your spirit. So, God, give them a word. Start uh, nudging them, Lord. God, I know many times that you allow people to hit rock bottom, Lord, so they know that you're the rock at the bottom. And God, you know what needs to be done. So Lord, we're going to continue to pray and continue just to lift them up to you, God. God, we look forward to what you're going to do in their lives. So God, we just thank you for continually to show them grace, continually to show them your mercy. And God, we're going to never stop praying for them. God, I'm thankful that I had 
people in my life that prayed for me for 30 years daily. And God, I know you can save a wretch like me. You can save anybody. So God, we love you. We praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Sebastian podcast channel. If this message impacted your life, we encourage you to share it with a friend. We're located at 1251 Sebastian Boulevard, just northeast of intersection 90th Avenue and State Road 512 in Sebastian, Florida. Our service times are Saturday evening at 6 p.m., Sunday morning at 1045 a.m., and Wednesdays at 630 p.m.